We know that in life, we all experience mountaintop moments, and we also go through some very, very deep and dark valleys. Life does have its ups and downs. The Bible itself, as well as 2,000 years of Christian history, if you study it, show us that not even people of faith are immune from the ups and downs in life. Jesus said that the Father sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. And so that means that good times and bad times come to us all. But sometimes when the bad times are inflicted upon us, we feel that it's our own fault. We know it's our own fault. Some of you that are watching this know that you've made some really, really bonehead decisions in your life. You've made a wrong turn, and you have nobody to blame but yourself. And so just stay with me on this, because you're not alone in this. There's a lot of characters in the Bible who went through this, as well as people in recent history. In the Bible, King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, he was disobedient to God. He was not a good king, a faithful king. And so God rejected him. And uh, he experienced the consequences of those decisions. King David, who was a good king, had a bad moment where he was tempted. He committed adultery with another man's wife. And there was all kinds of horrible consequences that followed. Um, and then the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, before he was a Christian, he hated the name of Jesus Christ. He hated that message. He hated the church, the Christians. And he did everything to destroy them. Well, he met the resurrected Christ on the Damascus Road. And I'll tell you, it brought him really, really low. And he was blind for a few days. Um, and his life was really horrible for a period of time. But he learned from it. And then there's John Wesley uh, in the 18th century, and he was uh, a British uh, Anglican clergyman, and he went to the 13 colonies in America uh, to preach to the indigenous people there, and he was an utter failure. It was a train wreck, and he was at a very low point when he returned to England, feeling like a failure. And then one night, surprisingly, he had what he called his heartwarming experience, and everything had changed from that moment on. And then even in more recent history, a few decades ago, a pastor in New York, Jim Simbola, he's the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. The Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir is from there. Uh, he, in his early ministry at that church in New York, everything was going wrong. Uh, there was division in the church, and, and just he was just feeling, again, like a failure. And he got on his knees before God, and he prayed, and God met him in that moment, and everything changed from that point on. And so sometimes when we experience these dark times, we're, we're given to think that it's nothing more than divine punishment, that God is now punishing us, that God has forsaken us. And that's kind of what King Saul thought. You know, he felt like a victim in all this. And, you know, people in these moments sometimes go, you know, God, you must really hate me. Um, but that's a very limiting and unhelpful perspective to have. And then there's others like the Apostle Paul and John Wesley, whom I mentioned, and Jim Simbola, this New York pastor, who understood that it's God's way of getting their attention, of putting them, uh, giving them a new direction and putting them on a new path. And so here's what I want you to take away from this message today. Self-inflicted consequences are not a punishment. They're an intervention, a divine intervention. And so why not look at the storms in your life right now, the disaster you're experiencing, 
as a divine intervention, not as a punishment. And it's only then that you'll be able to rise above it. And I can tell you in my own experience that I've learned my deepest lessons in life in my most desperate moment. I've seen God's light most clearly in my darkest hours. The Bible in Psalm chapter 18, verse 28, it says this, You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. God has used my failures to bring me to a deeper awareness of my own weaknesses and my need for Him to intervene in my life. And so it's often when I fall the hardest that I rise the highest. And I've got these balls here. And uh, this one here is a, is a little bouncy ball. I can squeeze it. And you'll notice what happens when you throw a ball down. It hits the ground and it bounces back up again. And life is kind of like that. When you fall, be like a rubber ball and bounce back again. And God can help you to do that. And so maybe you're walking through a dark valley right now. Maybe you've hit a real all-time low in your life. And perhaps you're feeling that, that God has forsaken you, that He's not listening, that your, your prayers are going nowhere. And perhaps you've done something to displease God. Maybe you've stepped outside of the will of God and you've turned away from Him, you've run from Him. Well, don't just think that He's punishing you. Yeah, sometimes punishment is involved, but that's really not what it's about. When you give in to that attitude, you can start to feel really hopeless about life and, and feel like, well, this is just my karma. This is just as good as it's going to get for the rest of my life. Well, I've got good news for you. It doesn't have to be that way. In Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, For his anger, God's anger, lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a, a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And so you're, if you're in the night of life, there is a morning coming for you if you'll just hang on. Um, and so you might have considered that where you're at in life is kind of like an ending, uh, but why don't you look at it as the possibility for a new beginning? That maybe God is trying to get your attention, turn you in a new direction, and set you on a new path. And so are you ready to bounce back? As I mentioned earlier in this message, the Bible has a lot to say about this. And we're going to look today at a man that you all have heard of, I'm sure, a man named Jonah. You're not alone, as you'll see for the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet of God. And in the story of Jonah, it tells us that God sent him to um, a city called Nineveh. It was an Assyrian city. And uh, Jonah didn't like the people of Nineveh. And so when God sent him to go preach to the people of Nineveh, to tell them to repent, Jonah turned away from God's call. And he got on a boat to escape God's call. And then everything unraveled. And earlier uh, in this service, Pastor Blaine did a scripture reading from Jonah chapter 2 about how Jonah is thrown into the depths of the sea and he's just drowning and everything is in despair. And this is what Jonah says in his distress. 
In Jonah chapter 2, verse 3, he says to God, You hurled me into the depths. I have been banished from your sight. That's verse 4. Then verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. And then in verse 6, he says, I sank down. I know a little bit about what it's like to drown, to be to almost drown. When I was four or five years old, um, I grew up in Kenora, Ontario, Lake of the Woods, uh, east of Winnipeg, and um, they had docks down there, you know, and uh, my dad always told me, and because we lived pretty close to them, he said, don't go down to the docks by yourself. Well, I didn't go by myself. I went with another four or five-year-old friend, and we had our tricycles, and I remember that we rode our tricycles near the edge of the dock, and when you got to the end of the dock, it would slope down like this into the water. And there was a lot of algae. It was very, very slimy and wet and slippery. And I remember I got off my tricycle and I, I held on to the side here at the edge of this dock as it went into the water. And I remember doing this with my foot. I was just kind of feeling how slippery the algae was. And somehow I lost my footing. I went into the water. And my memory to this day is I remember going down in the water and then I remember coming up, and I would see people on the dock and on the shore, and I was crying, help, help me. And I went down again, and then I came back up, and it was the most terrifying, one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. The next thing I knew, somebody pulled me up from my hair. I guess it must have been fairly long at that time. Pulled me up from my hair and rescued me. And that's what God does. This is what Jonah says in chapter 2, verse 2. He says, In my distress, I call to you, O God, and you listened to my cry. Later on in verse 4, he says, I will look again to your holy temple. And Jonah has a change of heart. He ran from God because he didn't like the, uh, uh, the, the task that God had given him to go preach to the Ninevites. But now he had a change of attitude. You see, it was Jonah's disobedience to God that led him to that place of distress where he was thrown into the, into the water. But you see, Jonah disobeyed God because he hated the people of Nineveh. And uh, he just did not want them to repent. He thought, if I go preach to them and they repent, I'm going to be really upset about then, that because he really wanted God to judge them, to cast them into the, the lake of fire. And so I want to talk a little bit about disobedience. We often think that disobedience to God means um, breaking, you know, like one of the Ten Commandments in the Bible, just breaking something that God tells us to do in the Bible. But disobedience is more than that. There are times when God speaks to us in the present moment, today. And sometimes he gives us an instruction. And he might say, I want you to go and do this or that or go speak to this person. And we refuse to do it. That also is disobedience. You see, Jonah, as far as we know, he didn't break any of the Ten Commandments or anything that had been written down. He just rebelled against what God had asked him to do. But God still had a plan for Jonah. God still had not rejected Jonah outright. And this is what it says in chapter 3 of Jonah. 
Then the word of the Lord. So this is after Jonah changed his attitude and he turned back to God. He realized he had made a mistake. And it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now the Lord said this, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Then it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. God gave Jonah a second chance. He didn't deserve a second chance. And I love that about God. God gives second chances, third chances, fourth chances, and so on. And you know what? Uh, the Bible says that God is a consuming fire, and it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Like, people think about the judgment day and standing before God, and they think how terrifying it would be. You know, we don't have to think of it as terrifying. I'll tell you this. You know what's terrifying? is for me to stand more like before a human court or to stand before a person who might be watching this broadcast right now because I have found that people, human beings, are much, much less gracious than God is. Our God is gracious and compassionate and forgiving. And so Jonah didn't, he, Jonah wasn't like God, by the way, at this point in the story, at least. Jonah refused to go to Nineveh the first time, not because he was afraid, and not because he felt inadequate. He didn't want to go because he hated them. He, he didn't want them to repent. And so later on in the story, it tells us that Jonah goes to preach. And what happens is the people actually listen. And they repent. They put on sackcloth and ashes. They call a day of fasting. And it's exactly the opposite response that Jonah uh, wanted. He wanted them to reject this message. But they didn't. And now, Jonah, instead of rejoicing at their repentance and their salvation, their deliverance, he's mad at God for being so merciful. And you know what? I've met people like that. And I've had conversations, even in the last year or so, where somebody said that he was angry at God because God was too forgiving. It, you know, if God for, could forgive what that person has done, then I don't know that I like God very much. And we just don't understand that. We think that people are just so much worse sinners than we are. That's an attitude problem if you think that. Because you know what? We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. And, you know, I thought about this. I thought, you know, I'm not sure I really, really would have liked Jonah if I had met him. He seemed kind of self-righteous, uh, sanctimonious, and he was really judgmental. And somebody, uh, as I was reading in preparation for this message, somebody described Jonah's attitude and people like him as a kind of a, a tribalism, uh, a tribalism that's like this. If everybody was more like us, the world would be a much better place. Think of how arrogant and proud that sounds. And here's the, the tragedy is by nature, I think we're all tribal. Uh, we're all convinced that if only everybody else was as good as we are, or was not, uh, uh, you know, was less sinful, then this world would be a better place. And then we're disappointed sometimes when somebody's not punished the way that we think they should be punished, or when God forgives them and their lives improve. We expect God's grace in our lives, but not necessarily in the lives of others. And that was Jonah's attitude. And so Jonah illustrates an attitude problem as well that many of us share. 
And so here's what I want you to do today. If you've been, if you're like Jonah and you've been running from God or from your God-given destiny, it's not too late for you to turn back. Instead of just accepting your fate and saying, well, I guess this is as good as it gets. I guess this is the way my life's going to be because God is punishing me for the rest of my life. I blew it. I guess I just have to accept the consequences. Why don't you do what Jonah did? Turn back to God. Maybe say the prayer that you find in Jonah chapter 2, where Jonah calls out to God and turns his face back to God and says, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. Throw yourself on the mercy of God. He will meet you there, and he will forgive you, and he will give you a second chance. I knew a man in Medicine Hat uh, back in the 1970s who told me that he uh, received a call from God to be a pastor when he was a young boy, um, I think a teenager at that time, and that he knew that God wanted him to be a pastor. He did not want to be a pastor. And he said he spent his life running from that call. And I could tell you from what I know of this man's life, his life turned out to be a disaster. It was a mess. Um, and he just kept sinking lower and lower. And, and you know, he didn't, he didn't bounce back because he never did what Jonah did. He never recognized that it wasn't just a punishment that it was an intervention, what was happening to him. And if he would have just awakened from uh, that and realized that this was uh, a new opportunity, this wasn't an ending, it could have, been, could have been a new beginning for him, that it was not too late, he could have turned back. I love this in Jonah chapter 2, beginning at verse 5, where Jonah says, the engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Can you imagine how horrible that would be? To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. You see, self-inflicted consequences aren't a punishment. They're intervention. He says, all this bad stuff is happening to me. But Lord, I know it's not just a punishment. It's an intervention. You, O Lord, can bring me back up from the depths. So if you've been running from God, it's not too late to turn back. Here's the second thing. If you've been mad at God because he's merciful and he's forgiving, it's still not too late to change your attitude. Jonah thought that God was too good to the Ninevites. Um, but God was merciful. And God rejoiced at their repentance. You see, this story isn't just about the Ninevites turning to God. It's not about God saving the Ninevites. It's about God saving Jonah. And this story is about God saving you if you've got that attitude. You see, all of us are a work in progress. God chooses flawed people like you and me, self-righteous people, sanctimonious, judgmental people. He uses people like us. It's not too late for you. Um, and so you might think, well, you know, there must be a more efficient way for God to get his work done. Well, you know what? It isn't just about what God wants to get done in the world. The reason he chooses flawed people like us is, is not because of what he wants to do through us. 
Not just that, it's what he wants to do in us. Through our disobedience and through our failures, uh, there are lessons to be learned. And that's why I keep saying in this message, self-inflicted punishment, uh, self-inflicted consequences aren't just a punishment. They're a divine intervention. It's because there's lessons to be learned. God wants you to learn something. He wants you to grow. Um, and so Jonah faces a moment of brokenness in his life when he's in the depths. And maybe right now you feel like your life is broken. Maybe you feel that you yourself are broken. I came across this quote from something I read recently. It says, the reason that brokenness is beautiful, to be broken, why it's beautiful, is because of how God can use it. It is something that can draw us near to him. Brokenness can make room for a contrite heart and repentance to bring us back into fellowship with him. It's not lovely. Brokenness is not lovely in and of itself. Standing alone, it's messy and it's sad. No, the beauty in spiritual brokenness is found in where it brings us. True brokenness is a tool by which God brings his wandering sheep back into his loving arms. And so, Lord, break me. So what if you looked at the disaster you're in right now, the consequences of your failures and, and sins, not as a punishment, but as a divine intervention? as a way for God to get your attention in this moment to turn you in a new direction, His direction, and to set you on a new path, His path. Look at this as an opportunity to receive God's mercy and grace. Look at this misfortune you're in now, this mess, this disaster, as a learning experience and a life lesson. You know, if there was no God there would be no redemption. If there's no God, there'd be no forgiveness of sins. There'd be no second chances. There'd be no way back. But there is a God. So Jonah, I could imagine, and, and maybe some of you watching this, but Jonah must have thought this. I thought I was a goner. But God pulled me up from the pit. I thought I'd been abandoned. But God found me. It seemed that all hope was lost, but God rescued me. Those two words, but God, make all the difference in the world. And it isn't just that God exists and that he's all-powerful. It's that God cares. God is more gracious and compassionate and forgiving than any of us could ever be. God uses our mistakes, our, our sins, our failures, our disobedience, our rebellion to teach us new life lessons and to set us on a new path. And maybe that's today for you. Maybe today is your wake-up call. If you feel that your life is broken, that you're broken, God can fix you. He can heal you. He can turn your brokenness 
into wholeness. And he can turn your darkness into light. So why not be like a rubber ball or a tennis ball and learn to bounce back? You can do it with God's help. Because these self-inflicted consequences you're experiencing, they're not a punishment. They're an intervention. So if you just see your situation that way, God will help you to bounce back and maybe rise even higher than you ever imagined. God won't give up on you. Just don't give up on him. Please pray with me. Father, I want to thank you for the story of Jonah. And there's so much for us to learn from this, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who are watching and listening to this. And if you're following me in this prayer right now, I'm going to ask you, if you have disobeyed God, if you've turned away from God, if you've done something to displease him, I don't care how serious, how bad, how evil, how vile it was, if you'll just turn back and say something like this, a simple prayer, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And if you'll come clean before God, he will forgive you. He'll give you a second chance. And he can set your feet on a new path. Would you do that right now? Just cry out to him in your distress the way Jonah did. And maybe you're also like Jonah in this way. Not just that you've disobeyed God, but that you've had a wrong attitude about yourself and other people. Maybe you've been self-righteous, sanctimonious, judgmental towards others. Maybe you've even been mad at God because he is so forgiving, so compassionate to even the worst of people. Maybe you've thought, you know, God, I don't understand how you could forgive so-and-so for what he did. But then what you're doing is exalting yourself and saying you're pretty good stuff compared to that person. And that simply isn't true for any of us. And so would you just say to God, God, forgive me for my arrogance, for my pride, for my lack of humility. And Lord, I confess that I am just as much a sinner as everyone else, as that other person that I think is beyond redemption. Forgive me, Lord, for my attitude. I humble myself before you. Save me and set me on a new path. And if you're not a believer, if you've never been a follower of Jesus Christ, the God and the God of the Bible, you can make that decision right now. You can say, Lord, I thank you that you are a God of second chances, that you never give up on us. And right now, I confess that I believe in you. I thank you that you sent Jesus into this world to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins, for my sins. That every wrong choice I've ever made, every sin I've committed in thought, word, or deed, everything I've ever done wrong, that that was taken to the cross with Christ. That means that I can now be declared clean in your sight. 
Save me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for my sins so that I could be forgiven and be set free. I believe that he rose again from the dead, never to die again, and that one day, as I follow him, I also will be raised to life to come. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.